Hello, Universe Jumpers, and welcome to the first episode of Stories from Other Timelines. I'm your host, Ali York, and today we'll dive into a timeline where politics get even messier in November of 2020. How could that possibly be? How could it get any more outrageous, you may ask? The question isn't how, but what if? And to create today's episode, we asked ourselves, what if a third-party candidate won the election? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Ada Benson. And I'm Danny Jordan. Today, everyone is going bananas over the election results. Shock rippled through our nation, shaking our local newscasters from here to as far away as Canada to the core. Because today, this morning, we were hit with someone, something no one saw coming. I'm Neil Cavuto, and uh, like you, I'm a little stunned and a little heartbroken. Uh, I don't know what to say. John, I apologize, but uh, I've just been (laughs) trying to compile my thoughts, too. Neil, I walked out here to do the hit and suddenly got hit by a subway train. That's right, guys. Moto the Gorilla won the popular vote for the 2020 presidential election. On voting day, we saw an unusual number of votes for Moto. Thinking it was some kind of joke, we went to bed anticipating we would be presented with the face of an older man over a blue or red box after a couple days of counting ballots. But as we kept waking up, day in and day out, more and more moto ballots were pouring in. The official number of moto write-in ballots has stacked up to 79 million, positioning this beloved household name as a victor, leaving former VP Joe Biden as the runner-up. The whole world, let alone the country, is having a hard time wrapping their heads around the outcome. This really throws a monkey wrench into politics. Okay, okay. Well, all jokes aside, today we're not going to get into the mess of how the vote is going to be decided. Instead, we're going to investigate how we got here. We're going to talk about the influences of social media. Then we'll talk about why Moto was the perfect conduit to bring so many people together. And finally, we'll dive into the historical relevance of the past and what it means for our future. That we are, Danny. We have a lot of great guests on our show today, but before we dive in, let's talk about Moto. Maybe you're not one of her millions of fans on YouTube or Instagram, and maybe you've been under a rock. Hey, with everything that's happening in 2020, I don't blame you. But to start on our show today, we're going to dive into the history and legendary rise of fame of Moto. Moto was born in the year 1983 in San Diego. She became a semi-prominent figure in 2000 when she took the world by storm after she met up with her good friend Coco the Gorilla in San Francisco. The video of their reunion went viral as the young 17-year-old Moto was rushing to catch up with her friend the saged 29-year-old Coco. Coco had been learning sign language from instructor and caregiver Francine Patterson from a young age, and Megan Murphy developing similar methods off Francine's research had taught Moto to speak American Sign Language from birth. When the two saw each other again, there was a rush of hand motions as they sought to speak with one another. 
Years later, in 2008, Moto captured our hearts once again as we saw candid footage from a passerby near Moto's habitat at the San Diego Zoo. The grainy, zoomed-in phone camera captured a stunning scene of Moto running over to her pond where a baby duckling was playing to save him from a small brush fire. Since that day, dubbed Pete the Duck, Pete and Moto became fast friends. Pete continued to live in the sanctuary habitat alongside Moto as she fed and took care of him. Megan documented their friendship on YouTube, creating quite a fan following. Between informational sessions with Megan, you could find her outside chasing Pete the Duck through the habitat and splashing around in the pond together. Wherever Moto roamed to, Pete was toting along, closely behind. Then, January of 2018, Pete the Duck passed away. Later in June, Coco had also passed. Thousands of fans sent their love to the grieving Moto after Megan posted a heartbreaking photo of her somberly lying by the pond where her and Pete used to play. But, like we all do, she picked herself back up and lived life the way Coco and Pete would have wanted her to. She found her comedic voice at the wise age of 36 as the video of her mocking both presidential candidates took another viral spin. Megan posted the video to a new Instagram account and once again, she blew up with her whimsical comeback videos. And then, all of a sudden in 2019, this hashtag appeared, like, out of thin air. Vote faux moto. Followed by many memes and funny challenges on TikTok, it was a delightful distraction from the crazy politics. And then, almost equally as suddenly, she won? Who who voted for her? Who was on her campaign staff? I feel like getting elected president is supposed to involve like more hoops to jump through. Apparently running for office is so easy. A monkey could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Last joke, I promise. We wanted to learn more about how this seemingly fringe joke group made so much headway in this race. The first person we thought to ask about all of this was, you know, Moto, the woman herself. But she's not taking any interviews at the moment, so we got the next best thing. Hi, everybody. Hello. Sorry I'm late. Not a big techie. <laughs> yeah, said the person on a farm. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I sat down with Megan Murphy. She's taken care of Moto since birth. Thank you for being here. If you want to start by introducing yourself, tell us where you're from and how you started working with Moto. Uh, yeah, my, my name is Megan Murphy. Um, I grew up uh, outside of Bakersfield, California. Uh, you could say I have a similar story to a lot of folks who work with animals. We just relate to them better than we relate to other people. 
growing up, I always tried to see the world through the eyes of our family dog or our backyard chickens or ducks. It was a short leap from crawling around on the floor with Spot to studying animal science in college, where I discovered Penny Patterson's work with Coco. The idea that animals could use language was revolutionary at the time, and I wanted to be part of the revolution. I was working with primates at the San Diego Zoo when Moda was born. Um, her mother, unfortunately, passed away shortly after, and I, along with my team, played a primary role in raising her. Wow, that's truly inspiring. Did you find it difficult or strange raising Moto? Oh, not at all. Not not really. Primates are so very much like us. Like, did you know that a gorilla and human brain are visually virtually identical, except we have a bigger prefrontal cortex, which lands us in all the messes we find ourselves in as a species. Um, I had to. I did have to create boundaries of course with moto uh, we didn't want to have another lucy on our hands and um who is lucy 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 was like many unfortunate animals raised to be human she was a chimpanzee um, in a human household and eventually she became aggressive and unable to assimilate with the other chimps um, and her enclosure uh, when when we when they, she was reintroduced back um, to the group, and while animals are like us, trying to change their nature to fit them in a human mold is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's a certainly a case study of what not to do. Uh, we made sure to socialize Moto with Coco and the other gorillas. Yes, I remember seeing that footage of Coco running up to Moto and signing together. And then, oh, Pete the duck, so cute. Yes, Pete, he is cute. <laughs> um, there, there's actually a funny story behind that. Uh, so, so Moto was named for one of our late zoologists in San Diego, Haruto Moto. Then after the fire, someone told us that Moto in Swahili actually means fire. It was the most bizarre coincidence. And since I had taken such precautions to ensure that she was able to learn how to communicate while also maintaining her natural gorilla side, learning that her name meant something to us and, and additionally some meaningful relationship to her wild African roots was so important to me. That's so beautiful. You really do have such a dynamic relationship and we can see it with all of the amazing photography that you show to us. We really got to kind of grow up with Moto for years, and that special connection that you were able to give to us with your documentation. So thank you. On behalf of all of us Moto lovers out there, as we know it, that's a lot. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Now we're going to have to address the elephant in the room at some point here. Unsuspecting Moto was able to secure a win for the presidential election this year through sheer write-ins. How did you feel about the Vote for Moto campaign when it began? Uh, uh, well, all right. When I saw the hashtag, a colleague of mine you know, had sent it to me, and it was a joke, you know, like, oh, I didn't know Moto was running for office. 
And I tried to steer clear of politics. So while I was a little, I was put off, you know, by, by the idea of people trying to pin a political agenda on her or make her a butt of a joke. And then all the memes started rolling in and our, our YouTube channel just exploded. You know, our Instagram account got zillions of new followers. And you know, I hated the idea of, of, of her being used for some sort of agenda, but you know, you can't stop that sort of stuff when it gets going. And overall, we figured we would just capitalize on it. You know, like like when a when a little baby panda is born at the zoo, and and everyone gets so excited. And so we thought, well, you know, she's getting all this media attention. Why not make it benefit us? You know, we could get donations uh, to, to the San Diego Zoo, to the Gorilla Foundation. People might learn something about gorillas. I figured ultimately it would be a positive. Well, I certainly hope you've gained a lot of donations for the Gorilla Sanctuary and that you are making a positive difference in the world. How do you feel about Moto winning? Uh, I mean, kind of embarrassed. I mean, she's a gorilla. <laughs> she, she's not a citizen, you know, and, but mostly I'm embarrassed at myself that I didn't stop it. You know, she's, She's not, I'm the one who, you know, posts this stuff on social media. You know, I could have, I could have done something more. I did, I didn't realize how ridiculously out of control everything would get. Are you embarrassed that people voted for a gorilla instead of a traditional human candidate? I, you know, I, I don't like getting involved in the discord and divisiveness so i don't i don't want to say i'm embarrassed about how people choose to vote i don't really care about that maybe embarrassed is the wrong word to use here you know there's some there's some small part of me that is proud of her i've i really have treated her like my child over the years and so when i hear that people see the beauty in her i get i get it i understand a little <laughs> I think about back in 2008, uh, and I wanted to respect Moto's privacy when Pete and Coco died, but there was something so deep in her grief. She was really torn up, and when I posted that picture of her laying where she used to watch Pete splash around, it really struck me. People were reaching out, telling me stories about how they would sit in Lazy Boys their father sat in, or in a car where they would take drives with their lost friends. It reminded me why I got into my work. And as much as I've taught Moto over the past several decades, she has taught me as well. And she has so much to teach all of us. You know, something I hope that comes of this is that people do realize that, that um, you know, animals like her, they have, they have the same sort of emotions and, and needs as human beings. And hi, I, I kind of hope that, you know, maybe maybe there'll be a campaign to make gorillas like 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 Moto a, a, a citizen, give them similar rights as, as, as people. <laughs> and and I think that that, you know, her her sadness and loneliness is something that people have latched onto and find comfort in. And I really think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a good thing. When I see what supporters of her are saying, I think your assessment makes sense. 
It's that sense of nonchalance or indifference to the rules of the political game that attracted so many people to Donald Trump. But we also get to see that instinct of kindness and empathy for others in her. It makes her a perfectly amalgamated platform for people beyond party lines to identify with. Were you involved in any of the campaigning? Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, like, like I said, I don't, I don't like to get involved in politics. I may have taken advantage of her stardom by encouraging new supporters to give money to, uh, to our research funds, but nothing more than that. Well, that's certainly understandable. Megan brings up a great point about how what we've seen documented about Moto has humanized her. As we know, the viral phen- phenomenon with Moto helped create the landscape that jettisoned her platform to its success. The mainstream saw memes of Moto's famous side eye accompanied by the phrase, sure you do. TikTok saw the Moto dance. I can never figure that one out. It's tricky. And right when I finally learned how to do the floss. On top of pop culture influences, we saw the vote for Moto trending on Twitter and the millions of people posting about it in Reddit forums. We also saw people making their positions clear about why they're voting for Moto on YouTube, which seemed heavily influenced by the 4chan poster or posters, Moshaman. This is a subgroup of Moto supporters who believe that Moto is catching hand signals and gestures between politicians, kind of like how a coach signals to players and is able to decode it. This was all translated by the self-proclaimed Moto Shaman, Moshaman. Their first post on 4chan insisted that in videos Megan has posted of Moto watching the news, Moto is looking in the background at political figures, ever so slightly moving their hands or tilting their heads. In these conspiracies, Moshaman has made claims like that of government officials having signaled to contenders in illegal animal trade given permission to begin mind control tests using satellites, and more. Even though these claims have been debunked by reliable sources, the Moshamans believe that Moto is trying to warn us about political corruption and is leading them toward a more just society. While Moshamans don't represent a large portion of the Moto voters, they were able to attract some of the more diehard supporters of the Trump administration. Different varieties of Moda supporters have come together for a historic moment of forcing out the two major party candidates from the presidency. At first glance, this seems like a disconnected group of people attaching their own ideations to a blank canvas of a candidate. But there is more organization behind the madness than we think. Have you met the people that run her campaign? Uh, No. Thank goodness. (laughs) Not in person, no. Uh, Bob tried reaching out to get their own footage of her, but I put my foot down. I I didn't want anything to do with that. You may have heard of Bob Lamb and Dustin Warner as the guys who started the Vote FOMOTO Reddit group, but they also made a great contribution in saturating the internet with Moto material. After they took their victory lap, when the results were announced, I was able to get hold of them for a deeper look into their motivation and organization behind the movement. And just a heads up, if you're listening at home with young ones, there are quite a few expletives in the episode from here on out. Hey, guys. What's up? Hello. Thank you for having us. (laughs) 
Bob Lamb and Dustin Warner were perfect strangers not too long ago. One day, scrolling through forums on Reddit, Dustin came across an outspoken moderator on the Libertarian subreddit. Bob was agonizing over big government failing to stand up to corporate control and saw no viable option for a presidential candidate after the primaries. Bob had cited the instance in the 2016 presidential election where Harambe, the western lowland gorilla who was shot and killed after a boy fell into the exhibit, had allegedly garnered thousands of votes. This led to the creation of the Vote Fo Moto subreddit and the subsequent outpouring of pictures, video challenges, and Moshimon followers. Let's start with introductions and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Bob Lamb. I'm from Indiana. I do a lot of side hustles, but I mostly work at Dairy Queen. Repping the 46808 till I die. What's up, everyone? My name is Dustin Warner, and I am a civics teacher from Baltimore, Maryland. Awesome. So you guys met on Reddit, as I know. Yeah, I was talking about what happened with Harambe and stuff. Like, Harambe got 5% of the vote, and he was dead. R.I.P. my boy. So we were like, damn, if people can get that much hype over a dead gorilla, what about Moto? We all know Moto. She's an actual figure in media that people can get behind. And I was talking to this dude on the chat and he was like, whoa, yeah, dude, that's how I met Dustin. Is this an accurate description of how you met? You could say that. I was just scrolling through when I saw this discussion start to take place. Harambe didn't receive 5% of the vote, by the way. I think he's referring to an article where a poll was done and 5% 5 of people said that they'd rather vote for Harambe. But I was interested in this idea and reached out to Bob to discuss it further. It's difficult to explain what drew me to this. Uh, something in my head just told me to follow this thread. And what happened after that? Well, Dustin's like really smart, dude. And he was telling me that we could really get this thing rolling. So like, fuck this election. The system is fucking rigged. Corporations are controlling the big government. Like, how are we supposed to actually get anything done with all these goddamn puppets making decisions for us? And that's when Dustin came up with this genius fucking plan to like get people on board to elect Moto. Like a big middle finger, fuck the government. Burn it down, baby. We decided to position Moto in a way that forced citizens not to consider her value as an individual, like we tend to do with politicians, but have her act as a mirror to look into the needs of the people. Moto becomes a symbol for the insatiable hunger Americans have for reform. Not just social reform, but a reformation of our political system. We can't have corrupt businesses influencing the decisions of equally corrupt politicians. And when you talk about the insatiable hunger that Americans have, do you think that the platform you set up for Moto leaned toward a specific political affiliation? Was there a goal based off of the wants of a specific political party that you molded her after? Look, hey, I'm a diehard libertarian through and through. But see, my thought was that there wasn't enough fire to stoke the Joe Jorgensen flames, and people are so wrapped up in their little heads about what party they belong to. So we wouldn't do that to Moto, or else it wouldn't work. It's fucking dope, because I'm here making plans with this dude, 
and he's a Democrat and over here there's a Republican and we're all coming together because we're not voting for a party. We're voting for our best interests, right? We're all fucking over big government and corporations controlling us, putting genetically organized mannerisms in our food. And everyone says that they don't want this country to be so divided. So here we are. Like Bob said, it wouldn't have worked if we put a label on Moda. It's what I was talking about when I referred to her acting as a mirror. Instead of citizens arguing, arguing over the minute differences, we all found common ground on what united us. All right. So was the 4chan Moshimon Discord you're doing as well? No. I fucking wish we came up with that. I love Moshimon. Like whoever that guy is, he gets it. He or she, you never know. But acting as a shaman to interpret what Moto really believes in and actually giving her a real list or plan is so smart. I'm honestly surprised that Dustin didn't think of it. It's brilliant. Telling us that she can understand the inner workings behind the screen and is in tune with the corporation's involvement makes a lot of sense. Gorillas are empathetic as fuck, so I totally believe that she can feel our truth and see past this big government. It helped play to our advantage. Moshimon did amass a large following. Some people see the cult-like following of Moshimon as dangerous, giving way to unfounded conspiracy We don't know that it's not and... real. Maybe Moto really can understand their secrets and motives. She's well-versed in sign language and has even created her own signs so that she's good at deductive reasoning and doesn't have any fucking influences about how the world is supposed to work. It makes her the one person most likely to catch those things. I don't know if I believe all of it, but it makes sense. Regardless of how people got here, the biggest takeaway is that everyone who stands with Moto believes that there's dark money in politics that must be stopped that there is corruption in politics that needs to be addressed, that the two-party system is not productive. And, like a gorilla, we desire leaders who will be bullish and compassionate. No one withdrew from the political party they associate themselves with to vote for Moto. There is a way to maintain political and personal identity without devolving into an attack of character. You said it, bro. I told you this guy's a fucking genius. Like Leon Musk or some shit. I can see why they make such a great team. Bob supplies a whole lot of passion to Dustin's organizational skills. Talking to them gave me a lot of insight into one of the reasons why this movement was so successful. Bob and Dustin are very different people. Yet they come together and make a plan on what they thought would unify Americans, craving that sense of unity and indivisibility. Historically, it takes an outside threat for Americans to come together. So for this campaign to be so successful in bringing people together over the threat of our own government is impressive. So we've heard about Moto herself and how her caretaker played an unknowing role in designing an icon recognized by virtually the whole country. We talked to the people who saw this popular icon and took the opportunity to promote a third party candidate with their strategies and their goals. 
Now we're going to talk to somebody who has seen the potential for the Vote Fomoto campaign to succeed, even before the rest of us did. Next on the show, we'll be speaking with political correspondent from KWZ Independent Journal, who specializes in her reporting on presidential races, Jesse Andrews. You've probably heard her give us great breakdowns in the past, and we'd like to once again welcome her to the show. Good to have you, Jesse. Thank you, Ada and Danny. Happy to be back. So you've been covering the presidential race this year, and you were especially interested in Moto. You wrote an article not too long ago diving deep into its success when other people were still writing it off as a joke. Yeah, so I treated the Moto campaign as a grassroots organization. I ascribed a dominant part of their success to the powerful yet neutral language that was used surrounding the objectives of the campaign. By they, I'm referring to Bob and Dustin, more specifically Dustin, while each of them use language that embraces different people, I found Dustin's verbiage the most intriguing. In what way? Well, first, I don't want it to go unrecognized that a lot of their success was in their ability to navigate different social spheres on the internet. Bringing people in on different media platforms is huge, but the next part, keeping them involved in this novel movement is more difficult. That's where success of their language comes into play. I found a lot of similarities between Dustin's rhetoric and the now second most successful third party candidacy, the Progressive Party. Progressive Party? Yes. So this all started with good old Mr. Teddy Roosevelt. For those of you who don't remember your history class, Theodore Roosevelt was president from 1901 to 1909. At this time, there were no laws on how many terms presidents could serve for. That didn't come around until 1947. Anyway, Theodore Roosevelt was an unabashed progressive Republican. After his two terms, there was a strong chance that he could get reelected again. But being the man he is, he decided he was going to relinquish his power and endorse his good friend, William Howard. Teddy was sure that Taft was going to continue his legacy with all of the work he had done to set him up right. But then Taft kind of double-crossed him by breaking up a lot of policies Teddy had set in place. Most notably, Taft broke up the steel mill trust that Teddy had said was a good trust. This, on top of the Ballinger affair, a debacle that undid land conservation that Teddy had put in place and caused a schism in the Republican Party, turned Taft and Teddy into sworn enemies. So in 1912, Teddy decided to for the Republican seat again, but by a marginal loss, didn't receive the Republican nomination. So he decided to make his own party, the Progressive Party. It was also nicknamed the Bull Moose Party because a quote he had said about feeling like a bull moose charged up. Teddy received a lot of support and was the only third party candidate to come in second in a presidential race. Don't worry, though, it's a happy revenge story because Taft came in third, giving the presidency to Democratic nominee Woodrow Wilson. This was a very important presidential race because the schism that had rippled through the Republican Party forced progressive Republicans to scooch over to the Democratic Party, leading to the more conservative Republican Party we know now. Wow. Betrayal, a comeback story. I wish I learned about historical politics like this when I was in school. Um, 
But what does all of this have to do with us electing a gorilla? Well, I've noticed little similarities, like the way Dustin describes effective leadership as bullshit. We desire leaders who will be bullish. He wants dark money out of politics. Teddy wanted strict limits and more visible disclosure on political endorsements, as well as public registration of lobbyists. We can't have corrupt businesses influencing the decisions of equally corrupt politicians. To dissolve the unholy alliance between corrupt business and corrupt politics. His speech mirrors that of what the Progressive Party was trying to do. The Progressive Party and Vote for Moto were both popularized during a time where the controversy on governmental overreach, but citizens came together to claim a candidate out of a two-party system that promised more visibility in how the political game was played. Wow, that's an interesting connection. It is very interesting. And whether Dustin was subconsciously or consciously aware of the language he was using, the outcome of each movement is the same. They reimagined and redefined the political parties. These are all just my thoughts on the matter. I feel like when we see something extraordinary like this happens, we will find any and every way to evaluate its success. Future generations will learn from this movement and identify all of the ways this movement went right. This happens to be my working theory now, but we won't know. And may we never fully understand what drove people to feel brave and empowered enough to cast their vote in a risky, non-traditional way. Your article covered a lot of information about what the Vote for Moto campaign did right. But in your time attending presidential stump speeches, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on if there was anything that the Biden or Trump campaign did anything wrong. Yeah, like... Was there a time or place you can think of that started pushing supporters away from their political affiliations? I'm not sure if there was a specific time, place, speech, or piece of legislation that made voters reconcile with the choice of voting for a different candidate. I think with President Trump, some of his supporters didn't feel like he kept the promises he said he would. So some of them could no longer look past how he was stoking the fire for mainstream white supremacists. What do you mean by mainstream white supremacists? I mean, you know, the ra- I mean that racist white supremacist groups like Proud Boys, the Boogaloo Boys, and others that have been seen as protected under this administration. It's important to note that these are often categorized as fringe groups, that they lie on the outskirts of society and don't have a popular place in popular culture, but that idea is simply incorrect. White supremacists have been mainstream. And uh, what about for Biden? What were his downfalls? Hmm. For Biden, there was a larger group of progressive Democrats who thought that the DNC had stolen the popular vote away from Bernie, unfairly backing Joe Biden. This forced Democratic voters to challenge their beliefs about what the DNC really stood for. So for those who weren't thrilled about Biden as their nominee, seeing the push for a candidate that had the universal platform that the system is rigged and a candidate with no corporate backings from wealthy individuals, no opportunity for corruption, and a candidate that was familiar enough to potentially garner millions of votes is quite an alluring option. 
We heard this phrase muttered in 2016 and 2020 election, having to choose between the two evils. When voters saw a viable option that didn't involve having to choose between the poison Granny Smith and the poison Honey Crisp, they took it. Are there any other circumstances that you've seen that can be applied to Moto's success? Yeah, well, I think that everything we've talked about so far has applied to seasoned voters. The younger generation of new voters have been preparing to sit this election out as an act of protest for the aesthetic of being above politics, too cool for the voting booth. But the defiant action of voting for a gorilla enticed many younger voters who were looking to cause a stir in the political landscape. Moto was able to capture the sentiments of a variety of voters. Well, not Moto, but the vote for Moto movement. Like Dustin has said in his articles that he published for the campaign, there is a medley of people who are standing figuratively side by side. It feels good to be involved in something that is bigger than yourself. Man, even though this has been a crazy year, this change of pace in unifying ourselves has honestly been greatly welcomed as was your commentary jesse thank you so much for being on the show thanks today. for having me guys you can read more from jesse andrews on kwz.net's webpage or follow her on instagram at this point we've given you guys a lot to think about but we were curious what are your thoughts how did you choose to vote and what was the reason for your decision here are a few voicemails we got from listeners like you. This is Alice Simmons from Somerville, Massachusetts. And I wasn't super into the idea at first because, I mean, she's a gorilla. But once I started reading the forums and I went down a whole YouTube rabbit hole, it dawned on me that it's not moto it's what she represents and because of that moto transcends race religion politics and even gender because they aren't ideas that she was prescribed with and that's really what i want to see for our future yes hi this is violet calling from california i voted for obama and for hillary and quite frankly it's an embarrassment that people would feel more comfortable having a female gorilla in office than an actual human woman Gene from North Carolina. I'm really, really sick of how all these big corporations and rich politicians are the ones that make the decisions on our lives. But as they say, if you want to see some change, it has to start with us. So guess what? I made a change. I made a change and I voted for Moto the Gorilla. Yeah, I did. It made me feel like I could voice my opinion and protest against these corrupt policymakers. I mean, this is a country that is built on citizens taking a stance, and I really want to go back to that. Obviously, I don't want the gorilla to be our president. We've had already had one buffoon as our president, and I do not want a repeat of that. I just want the officials to see and hear us, that we are fed up with this shit, and we cannot take any more of it. My name's Roy. I'm calling in because I'm so fucking sick. Of all these gorillas on the TV, like Coco, you know, it started with her with her finger language, and then Harambe getting shot because he was playing with a kid. Now, I, I'm getting sick and tired of this. 
Like, from music, why does that band have to be named Gorillaz? They're singing about Clint Eastwood and feeling good and shit. And I'm, I'm sick of these goddamn gorillas on my goddamn TV. It's, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. Movies. James Franco, stop making movies about the goddamn Planet of the Apes. I'm, I'm sick of this. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was funny as fuck. I don't like Trump, but I was sick of hearing my liberal sisters talk about how divisive Trump was because what a fucking hypocrite. She's so divisive and angry all the time. And she said, if I voted third party, I'd be wasting my vote. But, uh, who wasted their vote now? Thank you to all of our callers. At this time, we've reached the end of our show. We've considered some of the possibilities to explain Moto's rise to the White House. We don't know if it was a candidate speech, a virtual call to action, or a gif that served as the final nail in the coffin. But we've made our bet, America. The only question left is... What do we do now? Are we going to proceed with the runner-up? Are we going to have a second national vote? Are we going to have our first female non-human president in office? However we proceed, one thing is for sure. There is a popular consensus that citizens aren't happy with how things are being run. And the landscape of our democracy will never be the same. For now, I'm Danny Jordan. And I'm Ada Benson. That's our show. Thank you for listening to episode one of Stories from Other Timelines. A shout out to all of the voice actors on this episode. My co-host today was played by Danny Jordan. Megan Murphy, Moto's caretaker, was played by Ali Simpson. The co-creators of Moto for President, Bob Lamb and Dustin Warner, were played by Christian Coulson and Mike Wood, respectively. Our political correspondent, Jesse Andrews, was played by Janae Boston. And a special thanks to all of our callers, Tara Bouchard, Jax White, Adi, Josh Marquis, and a lovely friend who asked to remain anonymous. This episode is written and produced by Ali York, with help from Caleb Sherman and Danny Jordan. During today's episode, you heard about the 1912 Progressive Party, all of which was factual as was any information pertaining to Western Lowland Gorillas, Coco the Gorilla, and Lucy the Chimpanzee. If you've enjoyed today's episode, subscribe now so you can catch all of the upcoming stories from beyond the wormhole. Thank you for listening. I'm Allie York, reminding all of our universe jumpers out there to stay curious. <laughs>